Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen and Amy Just back at it. Uh, episode eight of this fall, by the way. Keep churning, churning these weeks on, these episodes out. <laughs> it all runs together for me. Just wait. Just wait until we're on episode, you know, 22 or whatever. Then it's it's all. Uh, yeah, we've gone. We've gone too far then. Yeah, too much. Too far. Yeah. Too far. <laughs> too far in the future. Information overload anyway. But plenty to get to today. Um, we'll get to Husker football in a little bit. Big win over Northern Illinois. First one of the Matt Rule era. Um, some more quarterback discussion, of course. Personnel updates, injuries, good things, bad things, all sorts of stuff to discuss. Uh, we're going to get started with Husker volleyball today uh, because two huge matches that they had, um, two big tests, and they passed both of them so well. Uh, first off, it was a big road match uh, there at Stanford. Came away with that one, a 3-1 win. Didn't even didn't even go to five. Um, you know, I was really impressed those third and fourth sets, just how composed the team was and a really tough, tough Stanford team to to go out there and beat. Yeah, you knew that this team, this Nebraska team will always have a chance just based off of what they can do and what they've shown that they can do. But I was really impressed with their poise and how they rallied. Um, they just they played so, so well and so many players played really well. Um which you're starting to see that as a trend. It's not just one or two people stepping up to the plate. It's everybody. And they hadn't beat Stanford since like 2008 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So very impressive uh, win for those guys. Yeah. I mean, Merritt Beeson, Harper Murray both had excellent games. I love that that block that Beck Alec had there with one of those last few points fired up there on the bench. That was funny, uh, <laughs> funny to watch. But yeah, great, great road win. Um, you know, then they come home and have another ranked opponent, Kentucky, and another win, three one in that one. Uh, but I think one of the interesting things was you know they were without two key contributors, uh, Laney Choboy injured in a practice collision, not not anything long term. Uh, they said just missed that match, but that's. Pretty normal, you know, volleyball injury. But Lindsey Krause, on the other hand, uh, involved in a hit and run accident on O Street, which is is pretty wild, um, you know, just to to miss a match because of that. But obviously, um, you know, as we kind of learned some of the details from Lincoln Police, from John Cook, like, you know, not her fault at all, just something completely random that happened in traffic and a, a really weird situation there for Nebraska volleyball. Yeah, um, it's really infuriating, actually. Uh, because like obviously this is so random. Um, these things happen to people across the world every day. Um, but O Street is just—it's so frustrating. I hate driving on O Street. I refuse to do it unless I have to, just because people are crazy out there, and it's unfortunate that Lindsay was on the receiving end of that. Thankfully, she's okay. Like. These could these this could be worse, right? Um, you know, missing a match um, is one of the smaller things yes, that could happen, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
that both her and Lainey were expected to practice in some form yesterday. So we will see how they continue uh, to progress in their respective recoveries. Uh, But hopefully they are both back out there on Friday. And if they're not, we just hope that they are continuing on the right trend in their recovery. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we we all live in Lincoln here, obviously. And, you know, O Street, lots, lots of people speed on there. I mean, it's just it's one of the busiest streets, lots of major intersections. Um, You know, really unfortunate that a lot of traffic, you know, collisions do happen there all the time. Um, So obviously, you know, if it was Lindsay, if it was anybody else, um, you know, (laughs) that was kind of the point that that John Cook was making that like, hey, this this stuff is happening too often. Like Lindsay, it happened to Lindsay. But as you said, I mean, it it could have it could have happened to anybody. Theoretically, we're we're talking about it because it is uh, one of the main main players for this Husker volleyball team. Yeah, I mean, I was T-boned on Australian in high school. Yeah, I was turning. I was at that 20, 25th and oh, I just left that Burger King, which is no longer there, which makes me feel really old. But um, I was turning left on O Street to go um, eastbound and somebody T-boned me on the driver's side, ran that red light there, speeding, driving crazy. Wouldn't admit fault. Thankfully, I didn't like drive away, but like wouldn't admit fault, said it was my fault and it was a mess. But yeah, no, it's it affects a lot of people, not mm-hmm. just Nebraska volleyball. Yeah. Frustrating situation. That's why we've seen, you know, a lot of a lot of response online about that. And as you said, hopefully uh, Lindsay will come back strong uh, here very soon. But kind of the, the positive here for Nebraska in terms of their season, um, you know, these two matches going the right way for them. Uh, finishing that non-conference schedule, undefeated 9-0, stat from our Brent Wagner. Uh, this has happened for the first time for Nebraska since 2016 uh, when they made it to the Final Four. They're number two in the national poll, beginning Big Ten play. I mean, you got to feel so good about where this team is at right now. I mean, obviously, undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they Nebraska set themselves up really well for what's to come. You know, they played a really tough Creighton team. Granted, they were down North Sis, so that, you know, changes things yep. a bit. Um, Stanford and Long Beach and Kentucky, um, they put themselves in a position to play some really, really talented teams, and they came out of that relatively unscathed. So you have to feel good about where they're at, and you have to feel good about the growth that they continue to make. Um, and Big Ten starts this week, and it's... Uh, their two matches are against two ranked teams. They have Ohio State on Friday night. It's a late one. Uh, first serve is at 8 p.m. And on Sunday, they play Minnesota. So another ranked team. I think they're 11 or 12. So a tough, tough test right out of the gate for them. And then for those of you, oh, Wisconsin. They don't play Wisconsin until October 21st. That is the same day as the Northwestern football game. If that Northwestern football game is not at 11 a.m., I am going to be very angry because I would like to go to both. Could be a long day. (laughs) Will be a long day. I already know. But yeah, so they're in a good spot, but they need to continue uh, to keep making the progress that they should be making. Yeah. And I mean, you, you talk about the development, too. I mean, we were sitting here before the season talking about these freshmen and it was like, okay, you know, they they got on campus early. You know, they went on these trips like. We were expecting them to be far along, but I think nine matches into the year, you know, they've they've raised those expectations as well. So that's the challenge to to keep improving, keep raising the bar there. Nine and zero start for Nebraska volleyball heading into Big Ten play. So on to our football discussion. 
Uh, of course, the the big win there on Saturday, 35 to 11 over Northern Illinois. Uh, first win of the Matt Rule era, but the story from the game, undoubtedly quarterback Heinrich Harburg, uh, his stat line, 21 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown, went 14 for 24 passing, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, looked, looked pretty good out there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I really liked the way that he orchestrated the first drive from the scripted plays from Marcus Satterfield. I thought that really set the tone, I think, that that drive gave not only him, but Thomas Fedoni and the offensive line a bunch of confidence um, just to know that they could do it, right? Um, And then, you know, the second drive didn't start off so hot with a a strip sack, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they rallied from that and had a pretty convincing win. Otherwise, I thought Harburg looked great out there. Um, there were some throws that he wanted back, right? Um, some decisions that he probably wouldn't have made if it was like a practice situation. But, you know, he didn't throw any interceptions. He only fumbled once and it was a forced fumble. It was, you know, not an unforced error on a botched mesh or something like that. So I was pleased with it. Um, you know, good for the Carney kid to to do well in his first start. Um, but yeah, we will, now they've got a decision to make, don't they? Absolutely. And you know, what I liked from Heinrich too, was I just thought he looked comfortable running the offense. You know, I, I was interested to see, you know, when he was in the pocket, right. You know, was he going to be nervous, you know, trying to roll outside, you know, was he going to stay in the pocket too long? I thought he was very well-timed on most of their passing plays, you know, getting the ball out, I mean, getting to those reads. And in terms of his mechanics, too, I mean, we noticed him thrown off his back foot a little bit. He kind of has more of like a, a sidearm motion on some of those short passes, but it got the job done. I mean, he threw a touchdown just like that. It doesn't, I don't think it really matters necessarily, you know, the arm angle as long as the ball gets there on time and really, really good as a runner, too. You know, I, I asked him after the game because there were a lot of times, um, you know, where he, he didn't slide down, you know, he lowered his shoulder into opponents. And he basically was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's just kind of his style. He wants to be a big, powerful, uh, you know, tough runner out there. And, you know, I think what he, what he brought to that offense, he did bring that toughness, brought that fire. Uh, and, and that most definitely showed. And, uh, you know, only one, that one turnover that you said to, you know, the fumble, um, you know, that, that was in the pocket, you know, that was one of those circumstances, but happened very early in the game and nothing really uh, indicated that there were going to be more struggles there. Uh, as that game went on. So really, really strong starting debut from Harburg there. But the other factor in this win was how good this defense is playing. Um, You know, apart from that field goal off that turnover, that game-ending touchdown drive, Northern Illinois, nine punts and an interception. Like, that is just dominance throughout the the course of that game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Northern Illinois did not reach 100 yards of total offense until, what, they're like two minutes left? That's right. We were, we were on, on the field, the field yeah. for that. <laughs> we were counting it down, seeing if it's going to happen. Um, that is by itself an incredible achievement. Um, I'm very impressed by what this defense has done. Um, and I asked uh, Matt Rule after the game, you know, singling out Nash, of course, mm-hmm. And he's like, honestly, like, I couldn't tell you the individuals. I just think they're all doing really well. They're, you know, swapping in and out a lot. Coach speak alert. No kidding. But <laughs> there's truth. But there's, there's truth, truth yeah. to it. Yeah. Like, it's 
hard to keep up with who is where and who is doing what and who is responsible for what. And I think that is part of what has made this defense so good so early is because offenses have no idea what to expect from them because, oh, yeah, like one of those linebackers may be playing all of the linebacker positions. And so how do you scout him when you don't know what his responsibilities are on any given play? It's very fascinating. Yeah. And in particular with Nash, I think they played 12, 12 different defensive linemen in that game. And I think he, he led the way with like 29, 30-ish snaps, you know, and there were other guys with like 20 snaps. I mean, that's a, a very low amount for, for the impact that he made uh, mostly there in the first half. And talking about this rotation, uh, pulled some some numbers here a couple days ago, uh, but Nebraska's played 36 different players on defense through three weeks, um, and the snap counts, of course, for the the top starters, top guys at this positions, much much lower than last year. Uh, for example, on the on the defensive line, Garrett Nelson was a uh, top guy last year, 64 and a half snaps per game. Nash Hotmaker 43.3 uh, so far, and yeah, not not a ton of snaps in this Northern Illinois game, so those numbers are down, but. Luke Reimer, he's down about 12 snaps there, a linebacker. Quinn Newsom, they're 18 and a half fewer snaps per game already so far this year. I mean, that's a, a strategy from this coaching staff to keep those main guys fresh and to get these these backups, these young players, valuable experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's working pretty seamlessly. I There are some young guys that have made some mistakes, but that's going to happen. And you hope that through development and f- more live reps that those mistakes are going to be fewer and fewer um, and you're not going to have them out there for the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be, you know, bits and pieces and based on different situations and all of those different things. So, yeah, I'm really impressed with them. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, those are, you know, non-conference games, non-Power 5 teams. Those are you know, the chances where you expect to get these young players in. So we'll potentially see more of that uh, this week. But a couple of quick stats uh, just to, to show the dominance of this Nebraska defense before we move on. Uh, 14 sacks that they've totaled through three weeks, had 21 all of last year. Or so on pace to completely blow that out of the water. Uh, they ranked 29th nationally in total defense and second nationally in rush defense, 46.3 rushing yards allowed per game. Pretty good, uh, pretty good marks there. Uh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, Tony White has that unit uh, playing at a very high level, uh, which is very good because we have some uh, personnel questions on the other side of the ball on offense. As you spoke to uh, a couple minutes ago, we got a quarterback debate <laughs> once again. It's continued. I mean, Heinrich Harburg played so well last week, uh, but Jeff Sims working back to full health, uh, officially listed as co-starters on the depth chart. Uh, offensive coordinator Marcus Soderfield speaking on Tuesday talked about how they were kind of testing out Sims' injured ankle, uh, you know, working his way back as as a runner a little bit, and hopefully we'll get more of an update from Matt Rule on Thursday. But it's still going to be up in the air till Saturday, in all likelihood. Oh yeah, absolutely. You'll have the injury report, the pregame injury yep. report, come out a couple hours before kickoff. Um, I don't think Matt will talk in specifics. Just to help you know disguise what they're going to do but if jeff isn't 100 percent healthy why play him this week just doesn't make any sense to me if he's not fully ready fully healed 
why force it? We've seen that Heinrich can hold his own uh, against, you know, a group of five teams. So let him do that for another week and give Jeff another week off. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, Sims was ruled questionable, you know, in that pregame report last week. He was suited up. You know, he was going through all the pregame workouts. Um, You know, when we were watching him, he was definitely avoiding putting weight on that injured ankle. Uh, so I'll be very, very interested to see how does that maybe change this, you know, this Saturday? Is he looking very comfortable before that game? Because then you get the question of, should we expect maybe both of them to play if, if Sims is healthy? No. And I say that because Marcus Satterfield was asked that question a similar yep. question of that yesterday. And he admitted that it's coach speak uh, before, which I appreciated, but he goes, you know, if you have two, you don't have one. And he not a big fan of the dual quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. So based off of that, I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's, it's likely they they've got their guy. They'll roll with that. And we'll, we'll figure out on Saturday uh, in all likelihood. But the other big, big issue here on offense um, two major injuries suffered there in the Northern Illinois game. Gabe Irvin, dislocated hip. Ramir Johnson, dislocated shoulder. Both of them out for the season after undergoing surgery. A real gut punch uh, to two guys who've been playing really well. Yeah, I mean, I did not expect Gabe's injury to be that serious. And I think it was a surprise to everyone. Definitely, yeah. Um, because he talked afterwards Mm -hmm. and normally for those of you who want to know how the sausage is made if you feared to have either like a minor or a serious injury you you know you do what you do post game and then you go for testing you go get that done to see you know preliminary tests you know do what you can he came and talked to us so I don't think he thought it was going to be serious either because why would he do that yeah, exactly. And the other thing, too, was like, I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, when that happened during the game either. But I mean, he was he was out there for a lot of the game. It wasn't like I mean, Ramir was out there for almost none of it. You know, he got hurt. That was very clear very early. But Irvin was out there a lot. And as you said, I mean, he spoke afterwards. There wasn't there wasn't like an ominous mood around him or anything like mm-hmm. he was in good spirits. It was things were fine. You get that news and it it, it obviously shook up what what they expect to do at running back in a big, big way. And the obvious answer here is is Anthony Grant. I mean, he ran for 900 yards last year. That's a pretty good guy that you can rely on to, to step up when you need him to. Yeah, yeah. I am not worried about him at all in terms of being able to carry the load there. Um, you do wonder uh, if his fumble issues have been resolved. Um you know, because he did fumble a pretty costly one against Minnesota, and then he did not play at all against Colorado, which I think was a message. Um, and now it's him, and there are some really young backups behind him um, that will surely be involved in the mix as well with Emmett Johnson, Quentin Ives, and Trevin Lubin, who I thought he was going to break that one away right. at the very end of the oh, game on close. Saturday. He was, he was so close to it, so... Granted, um, regardless of how many guys that they want to rotate through there, um, wouldn't surprise me to see a combination of all four of them with Anthony leading the way. Yeah, certainly. And I, I think that with all three of those other guys, 
uh, behind Grant. I think Johnson should definitely get some carries, you know, shifty, change of pace back. Uh, he should get in there. Ives, I'm a little bit interested to see because he's he's kind of, he's a taller, like skinnier type of, you know, back that that you'd really necessarily expect to see, you know, compared to Irvin, who's obviously, you know, a, a stocky, you know, mm-hmm. powerful guy. Um, you know, they're going to have some different body profiles back there. Lubin, kind of the the stockier type there, had a powerful run uh, there at the end, the fourth quarter, as you noted. So, yeah, interested to see what they do there. I'm expecting to see some Emma Johnson there mixed in. Um, but a third injury also tough as if two wasn't bad enough. Third season-ending injury against Northern Illinois. Uh, freshman quarterback Dwight Boodle, uh, he will redshirt. Still has four years of eligibility. Um, you know, only played in three games, but pretty tough one because the staff was high on him was wanting to get him, you know, five, six, seven snaps these first couple weeks because they're expecting him to be a guy, you know, 15, 20 snaps down the stretch. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, three season-ending injuries in one game. And this is not the first season-ending yep. injury mm-hmm. for this team this season. You know, you go back a couple weeks ago, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda. You go back before the season, you've got a couple more there. So... This is my least favorite yeah. part about the sport is all of the injuries. And one other thing that I wanted to note, it's kind of a subplot, but Ramir looked really great on special teams in the return game. So I am curious to see their approach moving forward on kick returns. Very true. He's on he's on a lot of units too. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he was a very big, big special teams player for him. So his loss affects more than the offense, that's for sure. Yep. So kind of the challenge for this week is get that offense going with all these question marks. Um, you know, again, we'll see who's out there at quarterback, see who steps out or up at running back. But the opponent come to town, Louisiana Tech, uh, they have a two and two record, started their week, their season in week zero. Uh, those two losses are to SMU and North Texas. Uh, but kind of the interesting thing is they have uh, quarterback injury problems of their own. Uh, their quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, former Boise State starter, uh, played at a really high level through three weeks, uh, but uh, suffered a shoulder injury last week. Uh, their backups, Jack Turner, he stepped in. Um, they're pretty high on him, too. A little bit younger player, sophomore. Uh, but if Bachmeyer can't go, that would be a, a big, big uh, bonus there for Nebraska defense to, to miss out going up against the top quarterback. Yeah, and... This Nebraska defense, I'm sure, would love to go against a young, inexperienced quarterback who hasn't necessarily done a lot in the protection game. Feels like Nebraska would take advantage of that, I think. Yeah, I can hear I can hear some secondary players <laughs> wishing wishing for that, but we'll see what what transpires with that. Um, either way, I think this Louisiana off Louisiana Tech offense is pretty decent overall. They've they've scored a, a good amount of points, run the ball pretty well. Uh, got a good wide receiver, Smoke Harris. Six-year player, which great name for a wide receiver, by the way. Feels like he's going to burn you off the line of scrimmage there. But he has doubled the catches of anybody else on the team. Uh, been very, very productive. But on the flip side, why they're two and two, despite scoring you know thirty plus points a game, uh, their defense is is really not great. Uh, allowing twenty nine points per game, that's like a hundredth ish in the country. Uh, they're number one twenty one nationally in run defense, two hundred five point two rush yards allowed per game. So. This is, you know, it's kind of like changes things, you know, not having an Irvin who, you know, has shown that ability. But quarterback run game, Anthony Grant, you'd expect Nebraska to get a lot of production out of that run game again. Yeah, I think Heinrich hits 100 and I think Grant hits 100 this week. 
Really bold prediction. Well, it's a good uh, good way to talk into our weekly hot topic. Uh, we talked about Anthony Grant a little bit, but let's make some predictions here. <laughs> Maybe a yard total, huh? Uh, how how do we think that Anthony's gonna how he fare in his return to the starting lineup? I think he'll be all right. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there would be a fumble maybe um but is it forced what's the situation um i'm trying to keep relatively low expectations even Mm -hmm. though i literally just said i expect 100 yards out of him this week um i just i think it's a good matchup for him to be successful definitely i think 15 to 20 carries uh that should definitely be the plan and you know obviously (laughs) games can go any sort of ways but i think in in particular um you know getting him Outside the tackles, if possible, is going to be big. You know, he, he can get a little bogged down sometimes on those interior runs. I'll be interested to see, too, how much of that read option game, uh, you know, that they want to work him in there, uh, you know, get him some looks on that, too, as well. And the other thing, too, was, you know, Ramirez, good pass catching back. You know, Gabe Irvin had a little bit of that, too. And Anthony had did a lot of that last year, too. So be interested to see, you know, throw some passes his way, too. See what, uh, see what happens there. Get him on the outside. Yeah, we'll see. Can't wait. They're going to be they're going to be getting some things there uh, into the game plan. But with all that in mind, offensive, uh, you know, uncertainty a little bit, Louisiana Tech uncertainty as well. Uh, Let's get into our score predictions before we get out of here. What do we got? Nebraska 31, Louisiana Tech 12. I'm I'm very close. I got 28 to 14. Uh, Spread is really, really large. I think it's like 20, 20 20, points. It is 20, 21, depending on the book as of. 20 minutes ago. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that is just how good the Nebraska defense has been. Again, Bachmeyer, shoulder hurt, a little bit of uncertainty about that Louisiana Tech offense, and the fact that Harburg proved he can, he can put up some points finally. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska scores more than 30 points, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. And it just, you know, okay, when do they, you know, if they feel that they need to put in their backups at some point, how does that change um, things? So... I'll be interested to see what happens on Saturday yeah. afternoon. I was I was very dubious last week. I think I predicted like twenty one to sixteen or whatever. We were we were expecting such a low scoring game, right? I think I predicted like fourteen to yeah. six. I think last week I was wrong, which happens. It's fine. Don't can't doubt the Carney kid. I thought Sim, done. I thought Sims was going to play hurt. Is what I thought was going to happen, yeah. and then yeah. when. Harburg went in. Uh, that, that prediction went out the window. <laughs> Absolutely. But as we said, I mean, he he performed very well last week, uh, established that level for the Nebraska offense. So that's what we're expecting. That's factored into our game predictions, uh, seeing what Harburg perhaps can do again. Um, and we'll see on Saturday who's out there at quarterback, how Anthony Grant does. Again, 230 kick there at Memorial Stadium, Louisiana Tech uh, for the week four matchup. Make sure to stay tuned. Journalstar.com will have all the game coverage, uh, post-game video analysis, uh, game recap, Amy's column, as always, a highlight. Uh, So appreciate all of you tuning in uh, to this week's Life in the Red. We'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.